All right. This is Strange Assembly episode 290, Zendikar Rising. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Mike Cook. Hello. This is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there or through the Apple Podcasts app. You can also find us on the usual social media. We're at Strange Assembly on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But today, Mike and I are going to be talking about, of course, Zendikar Rising, the latest Magic the Gathering expansion. So it's had the pre-releases in the physical world. It's available to play on Arena now. And on Friday, it will come out in official full physical release. Right, Mike? Yeah, I mean, pre-release stores can like sell stuff. And everybody has stuff pre-release weekend. So I don't even know what the difference in the week is. Since most stores are closed during the week anyways. Closed most times anyways. But yes, technically that is correct. Yeah, I don't know. And a bunch of the product is delayed. Yes, the the bundles have been delayed. Some number of set boosters have been delayed. I do have to say, I'm, I desperately hope. Maybe I don't desperately because I don't know. I just I I'm not going to buy set boosters at the price that they're at right now. And I'm hoping that they come back down to something resembling normality once the distribution thing is worked out. Because I ain't paying 160 bucks a box. I got lucky and got to buy one like where you'd expect it to be closer to like 150 or whatever. But it's still. I don't know. Having opened it now, like, pull, seeing what I pulled and everything, and, and looking at other videos, it seems like it's just bad. It, like, I, we talked about this off-air last time, but the draft boosters are just so much less, unless you absolutely want art cards or list cards. It's just so much more expensive to try and buy set boosters to get Yeah, so if you... I mean, you can get this sort of breakdown longer online, but I've there's a lot of math involved in these, but hey, math is a thing I do. When set boosters first started getting listed on pre-order, Cool Stuff had them for 130, and I Cool Stuff is just a place I shop from a lot, right? Sadly, Cool Stuff, would you like to sponsor us? Yes, no, because we'll totally talk about you a lot more. Cool Stuff had them for 130 originally. Obviously, they're up now. You could originally pre-order them on Amazon for 120 something. And I kind of going like, oh, that's like $30 more than a normal booster box. Do I want to do that? And then they were like 150 160 170 But yeah, you, when it comes down to it, in a set booster, you get somewhere between one and a quarter and one and a third rares. Like that's how you're, it's basically working out. So you do four set boosters, gives you like five booster normal boosters worth of stuff you do get a few extra foils and that's worth something extra i i'd rather have a set booster than a draft booster if you're gonna like give me one clearly so a certain amount of premium is to be expected but the premium would be something like the actual real world price of a draft booster pack is like three bucks right if you buy a box you're paying about three bucks you might be paying less but let's just say three for a draft booster, all right? If you're usually, if you're doing a draft in the store, it'll be like, what, 10 bucks? You'll get three booster packs. So if a set booster was four bucks, 
And remember when these were originally announced, Maru had something like, we expect them to be about a dollar more a pack. So that would be like an MS, quote unquote, MSRP. I know that they don't, they don't have MSRPs anymore, of $5 a pack instead of four. And maybe a real world price of $4 a pack instead of a three or whatever. At that kind of price, it makes more sense. At that kind of price, you kind of can pick and choose. But that's not what they are. Right now, you're paying $100 for a draft booster box, and you're paying $160, give or take, for a set booster box. That means that you're paying like more than $2 more per set booster, somewhere between $2 and $2.50 more for a set booster. And they're just not worth it. I think that the art cards are fantastic. I love the art cards. But the art cards, unless something has changed, the art cards have no monetary value. The entire art card set from Horizon, uh, Modern Horizons you can get for $8 for the whole thing. Did you watch that the professor's video too? I watched that. Yep. I think there'd be a good, good value, if uh, a decent value, if they were closer to like the 120 you'd expect, yes. right? $4 times 30 Yes. That was the funny thing. When they originally were getting, where they were launching the pre-orders for 120 something I'm like, oh, let's see if these come down a little. And then, and then maybe if they don't, okay, I'll I'll give it a splash. It's the it's the first time things. But I like, yeah, I like the art cards. It was, but it it was funny. I'd actually looking at these art cards reminded me. That's right, I like these. I didn't have any Modern Horizons. I wasn't playing when Modern Horizons came out. I wonder if there are some of those I'd like, and I could go back and get a couple of them. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm like, oh, so I actually literally have on the way right now a complete set of Modern Horizons art art series cards, which I paid seven fifty for. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. I mean, with shipping included. So, it, which is, I'm like, that's cool. They're pretty pictures that I can put in my binders with stuff. And especially the, for, for Zendikar, the art series versions of the Planeswalkers, you can actually see the whole picture because the Planeswalker art is vertical art put on a card that has a horizontal art box. And so you write like half the art is underneath the text. You can you right, you can look and kind of see it behind the It's basically the side of that card. You can also see, you can see her legs through the text box cuz it's semi-translucent. Now don't get me wrong, the artists know when they're drawing this. So you're not going to miss some important detail. They know that there's going to be a text box covering the bottom. But I just I like having it. You really on the the borderless ones though, right? They've got these little vignettes at the bottom. Yeah. If you look at the art cards, and I, you just cannot really see those. Like, if you know that they're there, you can go back and look at the borderless card and be like, oh, yeah, that's like the side of Nahiri's head down below the left. Sorry, that's the side of Nissa's head down below the left side of her text box. Why is that there? It, right, if you if you didn't know that there was another picture. I mean, they're they're smaller, so you can't get the whole picture. You can see like a little bit, but like you said, it's still not the full thing. Like it's still pretty confusing. But anyhow, so it's I, I don't know. I hope I hope uh, set boosters are do not sticky up at this high price because uh, they jumped the way that they did after the distribution things became more of a problem. There were plenty like you could pre-order set boosters boxes at normal sorts of places for a hundred thirty dollars a box when they were announced, and I I want to say I expect them to go back down to that. I don't know if that's really the right word. 
I think it's reasonable to anticipate that they will go back down once the supply things are are worked out. I mean, you see the same thing with the the bundles. The bundles are also delayed, and now you like if you want to get a bundle, you got to pay at least forty five bucks or something like that. Forty forty five. Well, I mean, it's the same as the singles price, right? The the pre-release weekend, quote unquote, you know, basically everything's released, but it's a little bit more limited. So, and everybody's getting cards for first hand. So all the singles prices are like sky high. But I'm just saying it's whenever something is scarce, the, pri- the price is always higher. That's what I'm relating it to. So Zendikar Rising, Nahiri and Nessa are fighting about how Zendikar should be, and Jace is going bonkers. So those are our three planeswalkers. Mechanically, Nissa seems to be the winner, and Nahiri seems to be the loser. I like Nahiri the character. I play with all these characters. There are no new Planeswalkers, and I'm okay with that. I, I, I like seeing repeats more, I think. And I like Nahiri. I have like you know a Nahiri section of my binder, but I don't really need to play a warrior tribal deck, which is what Nahiri's Planeswalker is. I like Nahiri, but like I get why she would not be like super expensive or anything, or it's as desirable as the others, although Jace I don't think is super up there either. But, you know, they're, they're kind of where I like Planeswalkers to be, which is, they're fine, and they're probably fun to play with. I mean, your goal with Nyssa is, like, I'm going to use my ultimate repeatedly, essentially? Yeah, for the most part. I don't know, like, I played one of my sealed pools, and somebody pulled a drop down Nyssa, and I mean, yeah, of course, Planeswalkers are generally bombs, but it was just, like, not even close. I just, I, I could not do anything about her. You're in limited. It's a mythic that's not complete trash. She ults on the first, on the turn she comes out with one, if as long as you have a land with her in hand. You could. If, you know, if it's on on turn five. But I'm saying, you know, you always look at Planeswalkers generally as like their worst case scenario. Her worst case scenario is on turn five, she's a four mana anima- reanimation spell for something that costs up to five. Yes. Maybe not the best, but it, it's pretty good and limited. Especially since it comes back it comes back bigger, too. Right. Five is your sort of default, not playable in standard reanimator spell, but those can be quite good and limited. And that's, yeah, that's her worst case scenario, really. Yeah. I like all of the arts, I guess. I guess Jace's is not as in a vacuum. I don't like it as much, but it's it de- definitely, especially the the alter, the borderless version definitely gives you that like Jace is losing it vibe. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit odd to see Nissa with black in her cost, but I guess we've seen her and we've seen her with things other than green in her cost before. It is kind of interesting though. I wonder. This is my life. I'm like, I wonder what my ten year old will say about that because he's always commenting on why is there an Ajani that's white red. I'm like it. It's one version. He was really angry and fighty in that version. It's okay. <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> but. All right, so we talked about the Planeswalkers. We mentioned Nyssa. Nyssa has Landfall. That's one of the returning mechanics. That along with Kicker. I don't know that I have anything to say about Kicker. It's been around 17 times. It gets used in Zendikar sets because they're supposed to be land sets, so they encourage you to play with a lot of land. Here's, here's a mechanic that lets you gives you something to do if you have a bunch of extra mana. Landfall is a very Zendikar thing. It's, it's one of those, it kind of has to be in Zendikar. To me, it's always been a solid mechanic, but I know you have some opinions, Mike. I generally like the idea of Landfall. It's a cool mechanic, right? You can play more lands, which lets your deck be a little bit more consistent on 
turns and whatnot. And then if you draw a land, it's not a dead draw. It, it's maybe not as good as drawing like an actual spell, but you know, hopefully you get a pretty good effect. Most of the landfalls that I've seen in Zendikar seems kind of on that level. As a, what a four mana two three that gets a plus one plus one counter. Uh, it's you know not bad, but it's not going to really wreck standard by any means. Uh, some of the others I have a little bit of concern with, especially because you have a fetch land in standard and you can run a lot of lands in a deck with the spells that are lands. The current Omnath deck that I sent you in chat plays Genesis Ultimatum turn three to four. The reason I can do that is because of Lotus Cobra, because they decided to reprint Lotus Cobra. I want to be excited about Zendikar, but I look at this deck and it's like, they're going to have to ban more stuff. They're, they're going to have to. They're going to have to ban either Uro or Lotus Cobra, and I think it's probably going to have to be Lotus Cobra. I, I think we'd all be better off if it was Uro, but... Lotus Cobra's probably worse. Lotus Cobra is what enables it to get to turn 3 Genesis Ultimatum slash Omnath. It's four colors, and it gets their turn three to turn four. It's it's so stupid. It's hard for me not to start to lose faith in the design. Like, like this, there's no way this deck shouldn't have been caught. Like, this is not even a week out. This is, like, three or four days. The thing that people were saying, because people were calling for Lotus Cobras to be banned, and I, I was watching other content creators, and they're like, you know, it's only been a week. Let's let the, you know, the best people work at it for a, a couple of weeks at least before you start saying, hey, we need to ban Lotus Cobra. It just, I've been playing against these decks, and it just, if you try to play anything else, it seems like you get crushed a lot. So, hopefully I, I'm wrong, my concerns are overstated or whatever. I, I do generally like both Kicker and Landfall, right? They're, they're both popular mechanics, and they're both generally very good. Yeah, I mean, the biggest problem with Kicker is that it's too broad, right? There's There's a lot right. of possible mechanics that are just and and some actual mechanics that are just subcategories of kicker well it's like a way of making a spell modal right and modal spells are always popular it just it's a modal with an extra cost in fact they literally made a modal card where you just pay extra cost to, a kicker cost to get all yes yes so that's the so now we, yeah, we've got a couple of things to run into there so let me so b before we move too much from landfall into kicker so i mean lotus cobra is it or at least it seems to me is the sort of obvious power landfall card. Omnath, I'm pretty sure, is super popular. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Omnath is always popular. I'm assuming this is the uh, Omnath Touch to Planes. It now has white, right? So I'm yep. assuming the next Omnath is going to be a five-color card. Still got two ants in those Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> and things like Fabled Passage do give you the ability to put more of those lands into play every turn. I don't know, is... I mean, Lotus Cobra feels like more of a problem than Omnath? Like, if Lotus Cobra didn't exist, how far would that go towards addressing your concerns with Landfall? It would probably be most of them... Oh, you said Lotus Cobra, right? Lotus Cobra, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that would go for most of them. I think Felidar Retreat would actually be the next one on my list. It worries me quite a bit as well. It's kind of like a quote-unquote fixed Valley of the Dead. But, you know, that also, it's a four-mana enchantment, so it might not be as bad. 
you just only have to make two or three two twos, and then you're just putting plus one plus one on everything, and they get vigilance until end of turn. So all these Lotus Cobras I have are now four threes with vigilance. Okay, great. So we've talked about modal double face cards a bit now. So there, it's sort of like here's the next evolution of double face cards. There's no transforming or anything. You just get to pick which one you went to play. I mean, the most basic functionality of them is right. There's it's mana fixing. That, that's, that's what I was going to say. Sorry. The reason I, I wouldn't necessarily expect inscriptions to go on is that it's Kicker, and I don't know. Like, a version of Kicker wouldn't surprise me, of course, in Kaldheim. I think dual face cards might just be a new staple. It might just be something they're doing now. Uh, well, that I don't know, but... They're going to have three sets in a row. They're going to have three sets in a row with uh, modal dual face cards. Yes. Yeah. No, no, yes, absolutely. I don't, I don't expect them to see them in, like, Forgotten Realms, though. I don't know that you won't. Like, this might be their way of trying to help fix their land system. Well, it's possible. I, I, I'm not expecting that, so we can... You can re remind me when they show up in Forgotten Realm, you'll be like, see? Okay. <laughs> well, I, I don't know whether or not I like it or not. I think I'm too biased on, like, what's happening right now. Partially just because it's kind of it feels like an extension of what we were already out of, and part of the excitement of, of rotation is that it's new, and uh, stuff that you didn't like went away. And it just feels like, oh no, we're back in the same place, but it's faster now. It contributes to your ability to run extra lands while still having spell options in a deck that is trying to abuse Lotus Cobra and Landfall and some other things to generate, you know, to use ramp to generate excessively explosive starts. Right, well, and it's right? also that, right, this would be less abusive in a color like black, and look, black's only got one, I think only got one good modal DFC. The Mythic Black is the only good modal DFC they got. All the other ones are real bad. And so giving green the good ones when it's already the problem with having ramp is like, what? For me, it's like, oh, the, the MDFCs I'm most excited about, sadly, are just the pathways, because I'm like, ooh, it's a, new, it's a new set of cool dual lands. I <laughs> yeah. Oh, those are great. Oh, no, no, yeah, I have no complaint about those. I think those are great, right, because they, they help with your fixing but they're less strong than duels because you have to choose. And once you've chosen, they, they are that. And they don't have basic land types, which cuts out a lot of the, you know, a lot of the other BS that can go with them. I think they're really a really good, elegant solution. That's really always what you're looking for with a duel, with, with a multi-land is, does, please, for the love of Pete, do not come into play tapped. <laughs> right. We didn't give our, our warning at the front of this one, but right, like this... Me especially, like I, I do not intend to, uh, nor will I, give out like strategy advice. This is if this is the place where you're looking for, uh, you know, sharp power level analysis. You are in the wrong, wrong place. The analysis in my house half the time is like it's a landfall elephant. My ten year old's gonna go bonkers of being excited. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for me, I prefer to be it on that right. Like I especially in paper, have majorly shifted over to Commander because it tends to be that, right? Like, you can make what you want to make and have fun, and then people will generally try and build different things so you can kind of play at your power level. Right now, though, because, like, basically my only way to play is on Magic Arena, you don't really get a choice. There's not a fun option in Magic Arena, right? It's just people building decks that are, are punching you. Every once in a while, you get somebody else that's like, oh, this is a nice, you know, kind of laid-back match. 
maybe if you suck enough, then it'll only match you against bad people when you're not in ranked play. I don't know. You would uh, like, oh my god, I was in, I was actually in bronze four because I didn't bother to play all that much, and I started playing it, and I just I literally the first day Zendikar dropped on, no oh no on Friday when I was playing, I went like eight and twenty. <laughs> It was real bad. I promise I'm not that bad. It was just like people were real cutthroat. I'm like, this is day one. I frankly, on Arena, do not try to jump into any like real constructed when stuff comes out because I don't, I'm not like a money spender on Arena. So I know that there are people who are like, I'm buying all these bundles. I'm buying a bunch of packs. They're coming in with stuff that's loaded for Baron. I'm like, I used my play Zendikar code to get my three free packs. What? No. <laughs> oh, no. That was me. I was the one who spent. There were stuff in Move Adventure decks. <laughs> okay. I should caveat that. That part of that was that I, I decided I... The Seagate Oracle, the one blue creature with a kicker that mm-hmm. essentially echoes, but it like echoes after rather than like as a flash creature... I just wanted to build a deck around it, right? And and do kind of like a spell slinger deck. That is way too slow. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is not getting there. I'm like this this creature's a two mana two one that doubles the next spell that you cast. And if you kick it, it only looks at the base cost of whether or not it's gonna double it. It seems like you should be able to do some pretty good shenanigans with this thing. Because you've also got Baron and you've got Runaway together. Like it seems like that should be like a decent core for a deck, but nope, that is does not matter. I lost so many games. Overall, I I like the modal double face cards. For the most part, the spell versions seem bad, which is good. They need to, right? That's yeah. If you look at the spell and you're like, "Ooh, that's good. That's gonna be a problem card." <laughs> well, I, I I will say I I think the mythics might need they might need to watch those because that's what you think at first, but maybe not all of them. Actually, most of them are actually pretty powerful on the front. And on the back, it's actually an untapped land. Three, three life is a lot of life, but... I mean, yeah, you're right. Three is a lot, but what were we saying? You don't like your lands to come into play tapped. The, the kind of thing that's interesting to me is, it, in some ways, the thing that I just like the best, oh, this lets you smooth out mana and have maybe less screw and maybe more flood, is also, or, or maybe less screw and maybe less flood, is also kind of like a weird sort of thing, because like you mentioned... It would feel like an awkward kludge if this was like some sort of long-term let's patch the mana screw mana flood issue with our system. I don't know. But uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, they're they're doing it for now. Let's see. So I mentioned Landfall Elephant. We always talk about the showcase cards and what we think about the showcase cards. So in Zendikar Rising, the showcase cards are the Landfall ones. In addition, the Pathways have borderless versions to go with the borderless planeswalkers. So what do you think about the showcase this time around? You know, I, I I like all of it. I am not over the moon about it. I don't dislike it. I just like that there's a different art style for a bunch of different cards that have like a sub theme. I think that's just a fun thing to do. Like it's not hurting anybody. If you don't like those, the regulars are gonna be less expensive because they're more regular anyways. You know, so what does it hurt? It, it's it's fun. And like, like I said, I like them. I don't think they're like, I don't know. I'm not over the moon. They said it was supposed to be travel posters. I don't know if I get exactly that vibe, but it's fine. I still like, I don't know. They're good. Okay. I don't get that vibe at all, but be that as it may. Uh, yeah. What I mean, I think the concept of them is always, 
I mean, I think we both agree that it's great. Sure. You have added another alternate art version of your cards and you haven't like charged more for the pack, right? Okay. All's great. <laughs> yep. So yeah, it's, it's just like, is this something I get excited about? It's interesting. When I first saw them, other than Lotus Cobra, which has some very nifty alternate art. Yes. It, it's probably easily the best. Yeah. I looked at them and I'm like, eh, I don't know if I like these as much. But then when I, I, I looked at them again later, I'm like, oh, so maybe these are just more sideways from the normal ones. Yeah. Looking back, it's like, I've ended up not getting that excited. Other than like the Theros ones where I really liked the whole, I know you didn't, but I really liked the whole constellations. I don't know what, like, what if I really gotten excited about the art style? This may be like the second best alternate art style, and it's really more sideways. It's not that I didn't like the uh, constellations. I just it's just the, uh, the execution on them. I like the idea. I just didn't like particularly care where they ended up. Well, with these, like I'm just so intermediate. But at the same point, I really liked Decoria and you didn't. And I feel like a showcase should yeah. maybe be more divisive. Like with 2021, it was just like a card frame. And I think the black card frame looks cool. I think the blue card frame looks okay. The red card frame on certain cards looks okay. But also all the cards they put it on, like. None of them mattered, except for, like, three. On the Zendikar ones, I actually like the frames quite a bit. I yeah. like these as alternate frames. And, and like I said, the artist sideways, which is which is fine. It's like, what are they supposed to do? Like, let's pick, we'll look at the two art pieces. We'll take the one that seems worse, put it on the normal card, and put the other one on the showcase. I mean, that's not what they're doing. It's just supposed to be different. And I guess because I already generally really like the magic art style, it's it makes a reduced chance that the sideways is super interesting. But yeah, with... With the 2021s, if, if like I think if you go back to our 2021 look, I was like, oh, these are pretty cool. And I like the borders. And I actually got a collector box of 2021. And by the time I was done with it, I was sick of the showcase cards. Because... They're all bad. Well, yeah, one, they almost none of them are any good. Two... They all have the same art. I, I, I don't know why I hadn't thought about that in advance. I, like, you open one, and it's like, I can barely tell the difference. I, I'm exaggerating, but it's like, but also, it, it may have been that there were, a, I, I think there were relatively few showcase cards, right, for each of the Planeswalkers, other than the Planeswalker themselves. 20. Right? You're looking, yeah, and that's, well, there's 20, and, but you have two slots. There are two slots in the collector's packs that were a common and right. uncommon showcase card, and that's only 10 different cards. Sorry, there's 26, because there's five for each color and then one for Ugin. Oh, oh, you're talking about the land, but the land doesn't appear on the showcase slot. Oh, yeah, sure. You just get a foil showcase land. But that means in these two slots, you're pulling from, like, 10 different commons and uncommons. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I'm like, oh, my God, I do not need any more of these. And I get... Like it's it is the it's it's I get it's not the like super exciting slot in the pack, but it was this is the same card as the always card, and I ended up so I ended up pretty disappointed. As much as I really loved the idea of having the showcase stuff themed around the planeswalkers, as much as I like some of those alternate flames, uh, uh I say flames because I like the red one, but yeah, yeah. but yeah, the the alternate frames, frames. I like our options for the planeswalkers. I like, I like all the plane. This is not really a surprise, but like, oh, good job on all the Planeswalker art, right? I don't know. Right. Oh, I, I opened a collector's box like Core 2021. I was not as high to start with, and I it was exactly the same point that you were. I was like, oh, if I have to see another one of these stupid 7-3-4 mana 
Garruk's beasts. I'm just going to start ripping them up. Yes, I unfortunately renamed that card because I think one of the times I opened it, I'm like, oh, look, it's another Garruk's lame horn. And yeah. then my child, every single time he sees one, is like, look, it's a lame horn. Like, it, it was not like I was being clever or witty. We don't need to keep repeating it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not actually funny. Just being accurate. It, yes, it was like this card is really. I mean, it's a common. What are you going to expect? So the the big new mechanic for Zendikar, and hey, maybe this is a preview for what we're going to get in Forgotten Realms, is the party mechanic, right? It's it's very explicitly your D and D party. It's looking your party is a cleric, a wizard, a rogue, and a warrior because fighter isn't because <laughs> fighter isn't a, a type in this. I like the concept. I like the D and D nod. I don't. It feels a little odd getting it now, and I'm like, that's why I'm like, is this going to be in Forgotten Realms too? Because it seems like the sort of thing that could fit there. I also really like the two adventuring parties that they feature in the cards. You've got the set of four legends that are part of the Seagate Expeditionary House. If I'm getting it correctly, the Acri Fearless Voyager, Zareth Zahn, the Trickster, Kaza Royal Chaser and Aura Skyclave Hierophant. And then you have the generic commons, Expedition Healer, Expedition Diviner, Expedition Skulker, Expedition Champion, and they all appear together on the card Spirit of Adventure. I think the only thing that I thought was missing out of that was that you have Adventure Awaits, which I kind of thought maybe that could, because green isn't primary in any of the four classes. Adventure Awaits... It's got the adventure name, and it's got four adventurers pictured on it. And I'm like, couldn't this be the green card of this cycle with the expedition people? But the four people who are depicted on Adventure Awaits are not the four people depicted on Spirit of Adventure. Are you sure it's Spirit of Adventure? That's not pulling up. Spoils of Adventure. Sorry. Spoils of Adventure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tutor. Oh, sorry. Adventure Awaits is a tutor. Spoils of Adventure is card draw. I mean, right, also right, right, life right, right. gain, but who cares? The card blue draw. white. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, so, sorry. On the subject of things I'm mispronouncing, I think it's a Kiri Fearless Voyager, not Akri. I, I don't know. I, anyhow, but I, I like the party mechanic. I l- really love that they have these parties assembled there in the game. I anticipate that I will make a little binder page that has the four legends and then the four commons and then Spirit of Adventure in the middle because that's the sort of thing I do in my binders. I wish Base Camp didn't come into play tapped. I don't know. What do you think? I agree. I really like the party adventure. I feel like this is, it almost feels like the earmark mechanic now that's going to be the, hey, this is really cool for flavor, but not actually going to do anything in any, anywhere near a competitive environment that's not limited. Uh huh. <laughs> because this is going to be much like Mutate, where, like, it's a cool idea and people really like it, and it's way too slow to actually get, like, on the table outside of limited. Um, yeah. I, I, I think. I think some of the single, like, the rogue deck seems like it's got some legs. Uh, the warrior and cleric deck seem like, you know, that you're just going to be more consistent with that, so it's probably going to be a little bit better. There aren't that many shapeshifters that would let you gap cover or whatever. I will also say, but I like it. Like it Just like Mutate, I like to mutate. Um, the uh, the one thing I will say, is I, I tend to like the effects that are better once you have a full party. I really like that whole idea of like 
the sum is better than just individual parts. Uh -huh. And I really like that that, you know, is portrayed like that. And it's also a payoff for doing something that's a little bit hard. But it's, also, none of the payoffs are actually worth it. It, it, it basically it, have to be like you win the game for it to really be worth well, it. Well, yeah, but the, the thing is that the, yeah, the, the condition of having the full party is like, seriously, I have to have four creatures out and they have to cover these four specific creature types. And, I... Right, yeah. Any given uh, yeah. creature can only be one creature type. Like, if you could just put a changeling out, then yeah, that'd be. I mean, it would be ridiculous, and I wouldn't like that anyways. But <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you wonder if a constructed mechanic that just said you have to have four non-token creatures out, like, what's <laughs> that's the threshold? Yeah. That doesn't, you know, um, much less. Yeah, I, I mean, if. It, Which is fine. I'm just saying, like, it seems it feels like they have a mechanic. They they worry a lot less about whether or not like it's going to make any kind of impact in any kind of constructed environments, and that that seems okay. It, it just it's a little bit weird because those tend to be also the ones that people really like because they tend to be very thematic, right? And Zendikar is the adventure plane, so it makes sense that the party is showing up here because it's absolutely going to show back up in D and D. Like, there's no way it can't. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you make party good. Really? I don't think you want to make party good. I just, I, this one saying like it feels like commander, right? I just kind of wish there was more commander type options where people could just play and not not be as worried about winning. But commander still has that same problem, right? You never know. You, people are trying to use numbers or whatever to try and say, hey, where's my deck match up against yours or whatever. I, I just wish we could do more where you like you play and I just don't get stomped for the most part, right? Like every game. Yes, I, I I know what you mean, and there is a there is a party commander in at least what I'm reading as a as a five color party commander, Tazri yeah. Beacon of Unity. Mm -hmm. She tutors for your party members. She's doing the whole thing that Kenrith does. Like I'm a white card, but I have an activated ability or abilities that have all of the colors in them. <laughs> and she's even maybe a little quote unquote worse because she actually like will just let you pay two instead of the colored cost. I look at her and I'm like, this is totally the I'm going to play a party commander deck. Yeah. So party is a mechanic that's more about tribal, well, not more about, it, it's tribal across four different tribes. There are also cards in here that are about tribal within a tribe. In fact, the partial cycle of the expedition cards are all exactly that. One's a wizard, and you have to have another wizard to turn it on. One's a cleric, and you have to have another cleric to turn it on. When I look at those, I actually think of those... That seemed more like a limited theme. Like, there's a warrior that's obviously the build-a-warrior deck around me uncommon in white-red. And yeah. wizard slash instant slash sorceries is the blue-red theme, and clerics is the white-black theme, and... Mm -hmm. Maybe if you're yeah talking about rogues because you're pulling in a bunch of cards from other sets, but there wasn't really stuff in here that made me think that like there was going to be some Zendikar focused real deck that was on any of those tribes. I mean, I think rogues probably comes the closest just because it's so low to the ground. It, it gets off real fast. I don't think it has enough top end to actually compete where standard is right now or at least appears to be it's still right it's still super early but i like that idea right there's plenty of clerics even just in standard that you can make it make a deck for it and also this is probably adjacent i don't think you think about this that often but i i love these for cube like there's so many ways you can use these in a cube and they give you so many more options that way that i really like 
you are correct that cube constructing a cube is definitely not a thing that I that that is a labor of love to to make cubes. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it certainly is, but it's something I like as kind of like a, a semi pastime. I haven't made that many, but it's still just I really like doing it, and these are really fun. Where you would put this in a powered cube, obviously. But like, you know, in a fun Zendikar cube, or you could even make a D&D cube now, right? Obviously, that's going to be a lot better when you actually have D&D characters. But <laughs> these will go right in. And I really like them. I think they're very flavorful, and I like what they attributed to each of the different classes. And the colors. I mean, I mentioned, well, like, I'm super excited about D&D. That could actually be a set where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get this whole thing. I'm actually doing the whole, like, here is my binder with my complete set, which is not something that I have done in a long while. Well, hopefully it's bad, so it's cheap for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, remember, everybody, no powerful mythics, right? All stinky mythics. I mean, th this sits on pre-release, and I was just looking it over in TCG Player. It is not... Like, there's, of course, the few bombs, but it there's not that many $5 cards, even. Like, I think it was on page three before. It wasn't even page three. Yeah, right, and there's a lot of doubles and whatnot for Syndicar Rising. And those those prices would be inflated, if anything. But I'm saying, like, if this is any case, and this seems like it's going to be potentially a powerful set, but it might also be those prices haven't caught up. What do you think about, like, the fact that all the equipment here equips when you when it comes into play? I like it a lot. I think that's a really neat... Because they've had a quote-unquote equipment problem for a long time, right? Like, how do I make equipment actually playable? And I think Embercleave came the closest anything has in a long, long time other than Living Weapon, which I think they generally think is... Well, no, actually, I guess it's not a mistake, right? Because they did that in Core 20. They, ha they had a cycle of artifacts. Or even, uh, what, Eldraine has a couple, right? Because you have the wolf and you have the sword, the wolf saddle and the, wolf's, uh, and the sword that makes the tokens. I like that they're experimenting with equipment and doing new things. I think this is probably the best if you want, like, kind of regular equipment. Have that equip cost be real high and have the initial cost be low and get to equip it for free. I think that's a really cool balance. And I haven't seen them be great. It seems like it makes, I'm going to say, normal equipment more interesting rather than, like, it's an equipment that just turns your creature into some sort of, like, complete world beater. You can just right. be like, no, it's plus two, plus one. But it immediately gives something plus two, plus one without me having to pay, like, five. And, right, and you, have a, you have kind of a balance problem with equipment in that equipment, in a lot of ways, can easily become better auras. Right, because auras already have the problem of you can get two for one real easy. Look, like that ship has sailed. Equipment are already better auras. Auras are well, trash. They've always been trash. They'll always be trash. I know I'm exaggerating, but come on, you know I'm right. I'm even thinking more for limited, right? Like, yes, you don't pick them high, but I mean, certain auras could actually be pretty good. Like the risk on them, like they've made them better and better. The Sargassan training on in. Uh, Theros was pretty good. One in a green for I get plus one plus zero. Oh, give a trample and I draw a card when it attaches. Like yes, potentially I get two for one. But if I don't, even if you just kill the creature, as long as you're not killing the creature as I'm putting the enchantment on. Well, yeah, like, it's a. It turns it's, out when you make good. things a cantrip, they get a lot better. Yeah. Yes. No, you're you're not wrong, but I'm saying that so you right you know, overprice it versus auras, but get it the free attach and now it reattaches, so it's still worth that extra value of being the initial higher cost. But it's not the ridiculous uh, cost that equipment usually has. And you don't have to give make it equipment for free, which is the other problem that they've had. Because it turns out anytime you make an artifact for zero, it's just generally not a good idea. <laughs> I, 
I like Zendikar. I'd like to go back to Zendikar. As I've, I've mentioned before, it's a it's a world that has a bunch of things that I, if nothing else, aesthetically, it's got its own cool distinctive elves. It's got its own cool distinctive angels. It's got its own cool distinctive vampires. It has the core. Sorry, Red, you still just don't have a creature type that tickles my fancy. <laughs> They've got merfolk running around. You know, all of my pointless, I like this creature type things are, are there. Do you like the core? They're red-white. Well, yeah, but they're really core white. Yeah. All of the other colors, other than red, I have some creature type that I have, like, a giant pile of and, like, tend to collect, but I just don't have one for red. I'm like... No dragons? Yeah, that's... It's weird. You would think dragons. You would think dragons. It's easy. I mean, I was even a dragon clan player. I can kind of get maybe not minotaurs or whatever, or goblins or whatever, but I would think dragons. Or dragons. I don't know. Yeah, why not dragons? I don't know. For me, it'd probably be Vyashino. Well, that's going to be a much easier collection. Yeah, there's not a lot of them. <laughs> well, there's not a lot of them, and they're not all, like, rare. No. I, I mean, it could be. I could be, like, Force Dragon, but, like, it's not, honestly, it's not like I really need to, to force myself into collecting right. other, any other subsets of magic cards. I already have a list of, like, 500 cards on my uh, to-get-someday, except, oh, wait, no, you're never going to pay that much for a card. Just because the cheaper ones tend to come off the list, and then the ones that are left are like, oh, yeah, that's a promo what? Uh... They have a lot of cheap things on the list, too. It's just really weird. Anyway, sorry. No, 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 not that list. My my list. Oh, your list. There are three the lists, at least two official the lists in Magic, right? I have a wish list thing, sort of thing, effectively, where it's like, here are Magic cards that I'm interested in having because I like the card. Oh, should we talk about the list? Because I, I open set boosters. So, I don't know. It's got a, it's got some cards that are really old and expensive. It's got some cards that are really old and completely worthless. What did you think? My only complaint is that I just, I wish I got more of them. Like, one in four felt really weird. I didn't even care. It's just kind of cool to pull an Elvish Arch Druid. That's fine. It, it You know, it's cool. I, I just wish you got more of them. I don't even... I don't even care that much about a chance at a uh, like an expensive card, right? Like it'd be nice to pull a Nimmer Cool, of course. I'm not going to complain, but I liked seeing you know weird old marketing mess. I got the hammer, the hammer. What is it? Uh, it's like one in a red for like a two-two. You cast red and discard a card from your hand. Oh, red X, destroy an artifact or all artifacts with cost X or less. I'm like that might just go in my reanimator deck. That's actually a pretty good. I had no idea this card even existed. It's from Mercadian Masks. That's that's it's pretty easy to forget that Mercadian forget <laughs> yeah. pretty much anything in Mercadian Masks. Like it was Richard and Port and some other stuff, right? Yeah. The list is nifty. I just and my ten year old finds the list super exciting. But yeah, and of course would would the, would it be cooler if you got just if you just got one in every pack? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think so. What it's what what are these dumb ad cards? I mean, I could they at least and here here's the funny thing on the land of the trivial. Do you know what do you know what my kids grump about? Hmm. Ad cards that are ads on both sides. Like they don't yes. mind that like oh well, the token has an ad on the back. I'm right with your kids. Your kids are real smart. The ad card that's just the ad card like yeah. come on. Just put a token on the other side. You're still getting free advertising. It's actually going to be more advertising cuz people that keep that token around they keep looking at that stupid ad. Can you Sho- shove something in there every once in a while that has a. What 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 happened when they had Magic Arena codes every once in a while on an ad card, huh? Huh? Right. 
with that set booster, you're already getting fewer cards per, you know, pack. It's only like 12 cards. Could one of them just really not have just been a set card? It seems like that wouldn't be that much to ask. A lot of them are going to be worthless. That's fine. I just like that, like, cool little, hey, who knows what kind of magic card you're going to get. I'm not looking for value out of that slot. I just would have liked more of them. I, I like the ones I got, but I got uh, out of a box. I only got seven. That sounds right. Seven or eight. Yeah. Which is what you would expect. Yep. I just, why couldn't I get 30? <laughs> it's still not likely I hit Emrakul out of a set of 300. Or if you really wanted to, I mean, put one in every pack and have more of them be junk. Yeah, that's fine. Like, I like the idea of, hey, here's this kind of cool card. And then you just don't co cost it like as a card. They're really weird about like, you know, stuff like Double Masters. It didn't print cost you any more to print another rare. What are you charging more for that pack? Uh, well, you and I both know why they're charging more for that pack. But let's I let's know. be clear. The in general, the variance in what is or is not in a magic pack and what the pack and what that pack costs has nothing whatsoever to do with the quantity of cards in that pack. Put one card in the pack, put 15 cards in the pack. The actual printing cost difference between those is basically trivial. Oh yeah, well, it, it just people don't want to buy one and two card packs, right? When I go to other card games that are like six or seven cards per pack, I'm like, this is weird. This is not enough cards per pack. But, you know, I open up a draft booster of 15 and I, I shove uh, 10 of them aside and look at three to four cards. Yeah, commons are irrelevant. There's there are ways in which the uncommons are irrelevant, but I don't know. Like, yeah, eighty percent of them are. Let's see. Was there any? What else? There didn't seem to be any flashy, pricey rares in this set. Really, Omnath? Well, where is it? Well, sorry, Omnath is a mythic. I'm sorry, I was distinguishing between. Oh, oh, oh rares, 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 rares. Lotus Cobra. It, yeah, well, like every once in a while, it's like what's what's the? I mean, Lotus Cobra, and then like Nighthawk Scavengers, and yeah, 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 because Nighthawk's like ten dollars. But the, I guess the, this can be bad for those of us who want to do budget things. But it it did seem like the mythic slot had lots of splash and not a lot of duds. You've got three planeswalkers. You've got your five modal double face cards where the land can actually come into play untapped. You've got Lithoform Engine, which Commander people seem to be going bonkers over. Oh, yeah. Ancient Green Warden, dragging a bunch of lands out of your discard pile is not bad. Leyline Tyrant, Seagate Stormcaller, Forsaken Monument if you want to like go back and play Eldrazi. Morag if you want to maintain the possibility of attacking 17 times in a turn. Ashaya, Soul of the Wild can get really big. I mean, and then Omnath, right? You, which is like that's, that's a large, large chunk of the Mythics. There's not many misses. Yeah. they. I guess that means they've got a good job. Like I said, I mean, my, yeah. my life ends up easier if the mythics are trash and the rares are good, because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you think the most expensive rare is right now? Rare? Set? Lotus Cobra. Yeah. Regular. Nope. Scoot Swarm. Here, $9 a piece. Lotus Cobra is $7. Okay. Yeah, I just I was just looking at it. And I'm like, okay, it's Scoot Swarm, then River Glide Pathway, then Lotus Cover. Not looking at like any kind of special. It's also probably opening weekend weirdness. Who knows? That seems. It's really weird, though, right? It's it's weird. I don't buy many singles for real play value deck building. I buy things that I like or that the kids like or. I mean, and it's generally not more than one of them because I 
like I don't play in real tournaments, so if I'm deck building, it's more uh, with something other than this is what we have. It's usually just commander, but but good multi lands or interesting. Like I will definitely end up with a set of the pathways, and so I'm glad that they're not exorbitantly priced. Yeah, and they probably won't be. Oh, so hilarious, hilarious journey to oblivion. Oh yeah, <laughs> the combination. Because its art is an unset card. It's a reference to an unset art. Yeah. It's uh, a wall in Unhinged. There's like this big outline. Now in the Unhinged card, you can see, you can like quote unquote see the back of the card through it. Like he's run out the back of the card. It's a funny unset card, I think. But the art yeah. on Journey to Oblivion, like it's there is no way that this was not specifically designed as to look like a wall. Well, and the name is combined of two other things, right? It's, uh, journey to uh, Journey Nowhere and Path of Oblivion, or or Oblivion Ring, Ring Oblivion or any Ring. of the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's it's when it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent, and opponent controls until this leaves the. I mean, it's it's Oblivion Ring, but as a party card. Yeah. So I love that one. Our household is big fans of Cherix, the Raging Isle, because. Again, the the ten year old has a sea creature deck, basically, mm-hmm. and also a zero seventeen. <laughs> yeah, for four mana. For four. It's a big butt. Yes, I like big shells, and I cannot lie. <laughs> it's not half bad because it pumps itself. I know, but a zero seventeen. I'm like, but it's probably worse than commander if you've got any kind of dual lands because there's probably so many lands that are missing the island type. You know, it would be worse in Commander, but his, although his is, it's a mono blue. Sure, then you don't have to worry about it that much. And and, and I don't think you'd worry about it anyway. It would just be like, oh right, my gosh, right, right. it's a zero seventeen legendary crab. <laughs> There's two different crabs in the set, too. Heck, you can make, like, it's a legendary, you can make it your Commander, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess the, the last one I wanted to mention while we're in the land of Commander is that I think Farsight Adept just annoys me. This whole thing with white card draw just annoys me. Right. So there's there, there's this whole thing where like white is not uh, apparently it has been decreed that white is not allowed to draw cards and honestly I don't know why I think the idea is that well white's supposed to be the answer color and if it's too easy to draw the answers then that's too strong and I don't really buy that because I don't know how much white is really I mean I get white actually can deal with artifacts and enchantments and creatures but like so can green and it doesn't answer creatures as well as black does. Uh, yes, and so many of its creature answers, other than like the comes into play removed things, so many of its creature answers are like so situational. They're like, yeah, it's got answers, but there's some, sometimes they're the wrong answer, and half the time they're bad answers anyway. Yeah. Oh, I, I do remember another thing I wanted, just real quick, one card I wanted to talk about. Uh, what is the one in black targeted enchantment removal? It's feed to swarm, which actually I was going to go into when we. Oh, okay. So, uh, so, so. Right. So there's this this notion of white's not allowed to draw cards, and I kind of don't agree with it. If you remember, we had this discussion when we were talking about Theros Beyond Death about why like Calix had green in him, and I believe my recollection is that you suggested that oh well he has to have green in him because he has a like conditional card draw ability. 
And my response was, that cannot be why he has greed in him. That is dumb. There's no reason White can't have some terrible enchantment card draw. But you were exactly correct. Like, Morrow, when talking about the card, exactly said, like, it's like that's the green part of this card, is that we actually let it draw a card. That's atrocious. There's no reason White should not be allowed, like, should it be singled out as the color that's not allowed to draw cards. Everybody else gets to draw cards. It's too fundamental a part of the game. But... Then they, 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 with both, with, you see this with white, with card draw, and black with enchantment removal, where they've started to, like, experiment with letting this color do something. And I personally never really felt the need for, like, the symmetry of how many card colors can get rid of what card types, and the fact that black can't get rid of enchantments. I mean, enchantments, I mean... I don't know. I mean, I never felt the need for that, but like, I do feel the need for like white card draw, and but they came with this notion for with with the white card draw, right? Like, oh well, it's okay if white cards draws cards as long as it lets everybody draw cards, which and you're like, what? No, no, that's like that feels just bad. And so, Farsight Adept is supposed to be like pushing that because well, now if you're using it in Commander. Instead of letting every other player draw a card, you let one other player draw a card and feed the swarm, right? You're doing this in black where you went from, okay, they get to pick and choose something to sacrifice, so now you actually get targeted enchantment removal. I guess Farsight Adept still feels so bad that it's like insulting. Just give white card draw. Why do I have to have a creature that's a 3-3 three, three for 3 that lets me and my opponent draw a card. That's not card draw. Exactly what you're talking about with Feed the Swarm, right? It is literally targeted, because the last one we got, we got one of the first pieces of black enchantment removal, which was for Farika's Libation. So if they had two enchantments out, you couldn't even get the enchantment you wanted at three mana. Yeah. Now it's two mana, sorcery speed, but two mana, I get to choose something, and I lose life to kill it, right? But it's also flexible that it does creatures as well. I really like Feed the Swarm. Like, sure, it's not perfect, but that's fine. Exactly what you're saying with white, you know, not just not being able to card, draw cards. I really more like the, it should just feel a certain way. Black being able to deal with enchantments, but also losing life for that. Like, that's not going to be insignificant, right? If you've got a five-minute enchantment I need to deal with, losing five life is a lot. That That's a... Feed the Swarm doesn't feel good, but it doesn't feel bad like it feels like it's a card and but farsighted so just give white card draw and two if you're going to give white don't give white terrible unplayable card draw and then tell me you're giving white card draw it's not card draw if both of us get it and i don't have a i mean and i don't have a way to abuse it right if we both discard our hand and draw seven cards we know that that's never really symmetrical <laughs> well even if you're white blue right in uh uh, Narset was still in the environment, it still wouldn't trigger because it's, it, it's the opponent's first card drawn that turn. So you couldn't even abuse it that way, right? It's no, exactly what you're saying. I just, I really have never liked the idea of this color just can't deal with this thing, right? To me, I, I, I would just much rather it be it, it deals with it, but it, it's a lot harder for it to deal with it or it deals with it in a certain way. But also, you have to make sure that way is right. Like, I, I get why they don't want to just give white you know, divination in white. I, I get why they don't want to do that. At the same point, nothing else that they've done for white has really gotten there. I don't see why white should not be able to do things like 
I look at the top four cards and put an enchantment on hand without needing help. But the funny thing with Farsight Adept, though, is that white white can't card draw, but white can obviously cantrip. Farsight Adept is just, just has draw a card on it. It's like a bad cantrip. It's a cantrip where I have to give my opponent a card, too. Can't I just get a creature that's like a 3-1 for 3 with draw a card on it? What? They probably literally just said, no, that's a green card. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that's probably what they thought. Like I said, the fact that you've called attention to it and you say you're trying to fix it to quote-unquote fix something that's like not even really a problem, like just, just give white card draw, it's just insulting. And I don't understand why it's so hard when you came up with a way to give green card drawing, which sometime was literally just, oh, green can draw cards. I mean, urbanize. And I recognize that my, my, my understanding is that they've said, like, okay, that was a mistake. Yeah, that was a color shifted card. It's funny, I know that they've talked about, like, one of the problems they have with the plane shifted cards is that people look at them and go, like, oh, there's a, a X color card that does this. Why can't you make more? And they're like, ah, because that was the whole theme of that set. But the, I think right green's thing is supposed to be you can, you can draw cards as long as it's related to your creatures, which is, is not nothing. I mean, that is a limitation on it but like they can just draw a bunch of cards red has had a, a number of cards that are solid even if they're not quote-unquote card draw it's the sort of like exile cards off the top of your deck and then you have two turns to cast them and black i mean you have to be careful with black that it doesn't become black and do anything as long as you lose life when you're doing it but right but black has black has card draw everybody has white can white black has some of the best card draw that's not just straight blue Actually, it has some of the better card draw because it gets mana-wise cheaper card draw that just has a life cost attached to it. White, at the very least, should be able to impulse for enchantments. I'm not saying that that is the solution to all the problems in the world or something, but I just go back to Calyx. The fact that they felt that, that Calyx, the fact that he could impulse for enchantments meant that he had to have green in his cost is just definitive proof that the way that they're color pieing white with card draw is nonsense. I've seen a number of people who really don't like Feed the Swarm, that they feel like black just should not have this type of enchantment removal because it breaks the pie. And I'm like, but the pie is just an arbitrary thing that they came up with, right? Like, a lot of it works. You know, it's fine. Sometimes arbitrary things are just fine because you just need somewhere to start or something to do or whatever. And they've adjusted it before. I don't necessarily like that black still doesn't really have a way of dealing with enchantments, but in black and white, it can deal with anything. It's like, white can already deal with anything, it just it has to be an enchantment that deals with it. It's it's really weird. The color of the pie has already been bent and whatever. I just kind of wish they'd, like, lift up, just rearrange some things, and then put the color pie back down. It just... They do that on... I mean, they have done that, they continue to do that. It's usually not, like, one big massive thing all at once. Which right. and I think it's probably better that they don't. I and that's I don't have some existential problem with feed the swarm. But if if black was never able to deal with enchantments, that didn't feel like a problem. I mean, I get it. Like it can't deal with artifacts and it can't deal with enchantments historically. But like it's the best at dealing with creatures. And you know what? Being able to deal with creatures is way more important than being able to deal with artifacts and enchantments. Do you play many black decks? Uh, I play all sorts of colors. Well, sure. Um, I just tend to play a lot of black decks, right? One of the worst things, especially in Commander, is that everybody, there's 
just all kinds of powerful enchantments that have been printed throughout history. And this is kind of also what what I liked about the War of the Spark Planeswalkers, although I understand why people had a problem with them, is that black just ends up getting shut out of a game because there's an enchantment on the board that my colors can't deal with. And, like, I just can't do anything about it. I think that that is a, a valid point that in a format like Commander, it becomes more of an issue. And it's not like there aren't artifacts and enchantments that can be good in in standard but yeah you're right commander you're what everybody's kind of sitting around you've got your sort of like i'm building my deck around this sort of thing enchantment or it's it's a relatively expensive enchantment that has a an enormous effect on how the game works or some artifact that is totally locking people down or right well just you know, also like kind of I, I know it's weird but conceptually right black is the color of decay you're telling me and it makes enchantments and it makes artifacts and you're telling me it doesn't have some way of like making the decay happen to those magics like if you can create something you should be able to know how to destroy it not to the level of blue and, and stopping spells or whatever but that's just to me conceptually i don't like that red can't deal with enchantments either right and, and that's you know i'm not trying to be like oh let's make black and red better i just think everything should have an answer for everything white should have card draw and you just need to make it feel good for that color like with red and they're exiling to play immediately right that was how they fixed red card draw and it's been successful it's really good it's pretty balanced i do think that the color pie is important i think that preserving the distinctiveness of the colors is important which is not the same thing as preserving the color pie as exactly one thing for all time but you know having the a color pie that you know where the colors have to be different if all the colors can do all the things in all the same way well, yeah, but they they already have differentiation. I like most of the differentiation. That's what I'm saying. And it's not an easy thing to do, right? Like, red had a really good solution. Well, you can't just make a red-white version, right? You can't just make a white version of red. You can't just be like, well, exile cards and then, or only draw creatures or whatever. Like, so it ends up just feeling blue. I don't know. It's a lot about feel as well, right? And that's just about expectations, what people have seen come before it. So what a lot of they avoid it now is it doesn't quote unquote feel that way. It's not wrong, but that's basically the thing. So this has been our analysis of Zendikar Rising, I think. What? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And everything in between. <laughs> yes. I think we're we're gonna call this one a day. I think we uh, have exhausted our interesting things to say right now until more Zendikar has been played with. And of course, by that point in time, we'll be on to some other topic because it's not like we come back and do magic strategy sessions on the show. <laughs> You have been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app. You can now subscribe in Amazon Music. You can also find us in Google Podcasts, aka what used to be the Google Play Music Store podcast subsection. If you use a podcatching service that you don't see us on please let me know i would love to fix that situation you can reach me at chris at strangeassembly.com or you can find us on twitter instagram or facebook where we are strange assembly in all of those places if you are a fan of the show there are a number of ways you can support us the most simple is that if you use one of those podcatching services i was talking about but especially the apple ones if you could leave us a rating or review that helps people find the show you can also, if you're an enormously wonderful person, find a donate button on the About Us page on the website or find us at patreon.com slash strangeassembly. 
But until then, for Mike Cook, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.